Would you bow with me? May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1989, Bob Dylan wrote a song entitled, Everything is Broken. And if you have received your copy of our quarterly newsletter, The Road, you'll see a a little mention of that in my article. You may uh, have have that on your to-do list soon. But that song was on his album, Oh Mercy. And I invite you to listen to the first two verses of the song. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken strings, broken idols, broken heads, people sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use jiving, ain't no use joking, everything is broken. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts, streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. And then he writes, seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hit the ground. I tend to agree with Bob Dylan's observation. When we look at the world around us, we see brokenness. When we see our social media feed, when we watch the news, when we read the newspaper, whether old-fashioned or digital. We see brokenness. We live in a broken society which exists in a broken world which is part of the human condition. But as a Christian, I know God desires to redeem my brokenness. I know God desires to redeem our brokenness. God brings good out of bad. That's redemption. And I believe through God's redemptive work that we can be stronger in the broken places. This redeeming thought is attributed to Ernest Hemingway. The thought breaks, the world breaks everyone, and afterwards many are strong at the broken places. I'm reading this great book by author Bill Bryson entitled The Body, A Guide for Occupants. It literally details the miracle of the human body from head to toe. Bryson includes an entire chapter on the human skeleton. Listen to how he describes our bones. Bone is stronger than reinforced concrete, yet light enough to allow us to sprint. All your bones together weigh no more than about 20 pounds, Yet most can withstand a ton, that's 2,000 pounds, of compression. Bone is the only human tissue in the body that doesn't scar. And then he writes, if you break your leg after it heals, you cannot tell where the break was. The calcification in the healing process ensures that our bones are even stronger than they were before. And I, I believe that's what it means to be stronger in the broken places. This is our theme this Lenten season. Lent is the 40-day period of time preceding Easter, excluding Sundays, when we focus on repentance, spiritual renewal, reflecting on our sins and our need for forgiveness. 
Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. That's one of the reasons why it's a 40-day period. During the next four weeks, we're going to study several narratives in the Gospel of John that express our common brokenness. We will meet Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman at the well, a man born blind, and Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary. We will explore religious brokenness, cultural brokenness, physical brokenness, and our emotional brokenness. Through this series, we will be reminded of God's wonderful, amazing grace. Paul tells us what that grace is like when God spoke to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Briefly today, I'd like to go back to the beginning where it all started. Along the way, we'll note some things that we have in common, beginning with our common identity. You might know there are two creation stories in the book of Genesis. The first one is Genesis 1 through chapter 2, verse 3, and then the rest of chapter 2 is the second account of the creation, and it serves as a commentary and complements the first. Every single human being shares a common identity, imago dei. We are created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and following, the narrator writes, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. The Bible tells us that God saw all that God had made, including us humans, and said it is very good, tov ma'od in the Hebrew, and then God rested on the seventh day, Sabbath. Yes, we share an identity in common, but we also share a, a story in common, a story of place and patterns, relationship and responsibility. One writer states, at the start of chapter 2, God's response to finishing creation was to bless it and rest. The Sabbath is both a gift and a reminder that creation and work are not ends of themselves, but are means to the relationship, joy, gift, and blessing. At the end of chapter 2, we see the man and woman are given in one flesh, a relationship. The writer of Scripture reminds this in poetic form, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And they were naked and they were not ashamed. This common story then turns to responsibility that they were given by God. In the middle of rest and relationship, there is work to be done. Listen to that part of the story. Genesis 2, 4 through 9. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was 
no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there put the man he formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This writer continues, We have work to do, the work of tending the garden of God's creation. The work involves tilling, uprooting and disrupting, tilling the soil and keeping or conserving and nurturing, tilling and keeping our work and our responsibility. The work of gardening is framed within rest and relationship between the initiative of God and the intimacy of human relationship. Rest and relationship till and keep. It is not a work of creation. God did that, but a work of cultivation. Our stewardship, our responsibility. Till and keep all set within boundaries of this rest and relationship. When we till and keep within Sabbath and relationship, we mimic the rhythm of creation within the boundaries that God has established. In 2, verses 15 through 17, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, to, to till and keep. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's our story. We share this identity of being created in the image of God, and we share this story and our story also includes brokenness. The perfection of creation is disrupted, paradise lost. The serpent asked the woman, did God really say? And how often do we get that same question? We know the word of God. And then the adversary in some way or another said, did God really say? And then a man and woman both present at the same time, not one any more guilty than the other, had that to reckon with, that question. And they responded and made decisions outside of the boundaries of God. Brokenness. They even added to God's Word, put things in there that God did not say to them. And often the man tries to blame the woman and we say it was all her fault. But the Bible is verse, in verse 6b of chapter 3 is very clear that he was with her Guys, you are not off the hook. We are not off the hook. And then we see the blame game. God blame, uh, Adam, the man blames God for giving him the woman who he also, whom he also blames for the situation. And she blamed the serpent. Everybody is playing the blame game. That's what brokenness does. And as a result of that, God gave cursings and caused suffering caused difficulty. No more were human beings cradled within paradise. Brokenness. And uh, common to us as well in our broken humanity is that we face common temptations. 
There are three common temptations that John speaks of in his letter, 1 John. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus experienced all three of these temptations when he was tempted in the wilderness by the adversary. Henry Nouwen describes these temptations as to be relevant, to be spectacular, and to be powerful. Jesus was tempted like all of us, yet the Bible says that he was perfect and was without sin. And we are thankful that in common, to restore us and redeem us, we have a common Savior. His name is Jesus. Even though humans were banished from the garden, God was grateful then and is graceful then and graceful now. Recall that the man and woman realized that they were naked and ashamed and they sewed fig leaves together to try to cover up their vulnerability. And how often do we today try to fix things ourselves? I'll fix it. I'll get it right. I'll make it right. I can save myself. And God looks back and says, oh no, that's only work that I can do. And you remember in their vulnerability, they not only were ashamed, but they ran away from God. And God met them. And you remember what God did there in chapter 3? The Bible tells us that God gave them animal skins as coverings. And for an animal skin to be made into a covering to cover their nakedness, their vulnerability, their shame, their sin, that means something had to die in order that they would be covered. We often believe this part of the passage is a foreshadowing of the atonement where Jesus willingly gave his life on the cross, shed his blood that we would be covered and made right with God. That's called justification. And that we are made right through the atonement of Jesus' blood. We see this way back in the Old Testament where God provided that skin from perhaps a lamb. And in the New Testament, Jesus is called none other than the Lamb of God, and it is through His blood that we are cleansed. We have a common Savior. Even though the people in the garden yielded to the adversary and disobeyed God, God still loved them. God still provided for them. This story runs through the Old and New Testament canon. God still does this for us today when we approach His throne of grace in our time of need. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. It is common to us all, the Savior we have in Jesus. He is available for us all. But salvation, this grace, is unique to God. It is only through Jesus, by His grace and our faith, that we can be saved. And I would say that we have in common this uncommon grace. It is only from God. It's not our own. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And as you heard Craig and Amanda read earlier from Romans 5, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, many will be made righteous." Thanks be to God for that. Broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never to be spoken. Everything is broken. Seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hit the ground. But God makes us stronger in the broken places. How many of you have broken bones? Raise your hand up if you've broken a bone in your life. I've broken my arm, left arm twice. When I was in first grade, I jumped down a flight of about six steps, landed on it and broke it. And then in fourth grade, we, we had this big tree. Children, don't do this, okay? Uh, adults don't do this. <laughs> uh, we had this big tree in our front yard, and it had wisteria vines growing up it that were thick and my friends and I we used to climb up the vines and then yes parents we would jump off the bat of the tree backwards I gotta be careful I don't jump down these steps right here <laughs> so one day I, my mom was on the front porch she was watching and I had the bright idea of climbing the tree wisteria like we had always done jumping off but my foot got caught in the vine. And Pastor Bob went upside down, backwards like this, back handspring, landed on both wrists, and broke the left one and sprained the right one. And I went to fourth grade with both arms uh, slinged up, right? Uh, So don't do that at home. But I understand that our bones heal back up stronger in the broken places. And I believe that that is how God works in among and through us by His grace. That no matter what we experience, that God can, the God of all comfort, will redeem that. And some kind of good will come out of it. Because our God is good. The song says, you take our failure, you take our weakness, you set your treasure in jars of clay, So take this heart, Lord, I'll be your vessel, the world to see your life in me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Our stories are precious to God. We have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. By His grace, may we be stronger in the broken places. Amen.